Welcome to Season 2 of Do Good and Do Well. My name is Sarah Fox and I'm a life and leadership coach and founder of the Do Good and Do Well community. And this is a podcast where we explore how to be a changemaker without losing yourself. Let's get to it. Hi everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope that you are well. Thank you for being here, for listening. I'm always really chuffed to hear your responses, so please do share them with me. And if you really get something out of it, please consider buying me a coffee and help me to keep doing these episodes because I feel that they are really important and I also want to say that they are not easy putting it out into the world. I'm not someone who enjoys a massive amount of visibility. I know that this is important though for reaching all you amazing, amazing human beings who are giving it all to try and make the world a better place and I want you to know that you deserve to have the life you want to live as well. So I kind of have to get out of my own way a little bit and go with it and be brave and be bold. And if you get anything from that, then please do help me keep it going. I would really, really appreciate it. It's my Kofi fund. What's a Kofi fund? (laughs) For those of you that don't know, it's a platform where people like me can raise money to help them do what they're doing. I have set myself a goal this year to raise money to help pay for the promotional and production costs of the podcast and you can donate the price of a coffee which they set at three pounds if you would like to do that then please do and if you want to buy me more than one coffee please do I think I worked out that I need about 1500 coffees in order to reach my goal but I am ambitious and I would really love your help the link is in the show notes Before I introduce you to Romana, I'm going to chat for a little bit. I feel like we should have some kind of musical subtitle here. You know, I don't know, like Sarah's solo or or something like that. It's just me chatting about some of the things that are coming up for my clients and for me, my community. And I hope that it resonates in some way. So one of the things that has really come up over the last couple of weeks, particularly when I'm working with, I mean, most of my work is in the arts sector, particularly around participatory arts. But I also coach head teachers and people in the education system as well. And one of the things that I've really noticed is that That core desire, whether it's to be making, using the material that you love, making in a way that you love, whether it's teaching, being in the classroom, face-to-face with those children and young people, that core desire gets so overshadowed by the admin and the bigger systems and structures that we find ourselves part of. And so it can be 
really easy to forget why you're doing something in the first place and forget to nourish yourself in the way that you need to be in the in the moments that bring you joy and you'll hear Romana talking about this in terms of really understanding those moments when you're in flow when you feel like the world is aligned and I'm supposed to be here and of, of course we can't feel like that all the time but I invite you to think about the very core of your work and all your life and like what it is you love. When does life feel easy because you're doing something you love and you feel energised by it? I was talking to someone recently and they were wondering about whether to leave a role that they were in and they weren't quite sure whether they had the energy to do that and and I totally get it. Maybe they don't have the energy because they're not in flow, they're not challenged, they're not feeling creative, they're not engaged with what they love, they're not they're not energized by the work. And so often artists, facilitators, leaders, teachers, the hours are long, the energy required is huge. And we do it because we also get so much energy from it. But when the outside bits, the less interesting bits, overtake that core, eat that up in some way or another, then what are we left with? And so I invite you now just to pause and think about what it is at the heart of it. What's the bit? you really need and if you knew that that bit that thing was what was going to keep you going keep you sustained help you feel successful keep your energy up then what would you do next so my conversation with Romana I'm really really excited to share this and I know I say that every week um when I have a guest but I, I, just everyone I speak to they inspire me in some way or another and Romana is no exception Romana is a creative entrepreneur owner of multiple businesses she's a choreographer a dancer an author a speaker a teacher she is multifaceted in so many ways and continues to use her extensive experience in arts education and business to inspire and lead the upcoming generation i'm not going to say any more about her let's just listen hope you enjoy you enjoy Hello, Romana. Welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. I am super excited that you're here with me on this gloriously sunny afternoon, although we're not outside. <laughs> we're not inside. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, let's just jump in. So okay. tell us about yourself. What do you want people to know about you? Oh, such a good question. So my name's Romana Malcolm. I'm a creative entrepreneur um, based in Birmingham. I'm 24 years old. I currently run two organisations that are both in the art sector and then I'm currently in the midst of establishing my personal brand which is a little bit separate from the art so that's really exciting. 
tell us more about that what what are you doing with that yeah so I've been heavily involved in the arts for the past 10 years um, running my dance company for seven years now and I just felt like I was only known for the work I was doing within the arts and with young people and I've just got so much more to give so I'm launching my personal brand at the end of April and that's going to be targeted at purpose-driven business startups and really helping people start a company and attach it to their purpose and just action it lots of people know what they're passionate about but don't really know how to feed it into their purpose and turn it into a business so I'm going to be helping people do that I'm really excited about it uh, it just sounds perfect for you you know <laughs> in terms of all that experience yeah that you've had and I really don't want to do the oh my goodness you're only 24 but I actually really want to say oh my goodness you're only 24. Really? <laughs> Lots of people get surprised by that they think I'm well older but I'm like no still young still learning. <laughs> so where does this drive come from? How did you get into running your own organization and like the young yeah. people that you work with where did all that come from so it's funny because I've been dancing ever since I was four years old and my mom was kind of like my driving factor she always used to take me to dance classes make me travel across the world competing and I got to age 17 and felt really stuck within my talent I didn't know where to go next with it I knew I didn't want to go to dance uni because I wanted to have a backup plan but I just couldn't see what was next for me so me and my mum sat down and we brainstormed and I said to her, I'd love to run a dance company in a couple of years time. And she was kind of like, well, you've always spoke about running a dance school. Why wouldn't you do it now? And I was kind of like, but I'm only 17. I'm not really sure what, what would that look like? So we both kind of bumped heads on this idea of launching Eloquent, which would be a dance class or a dance performing group. So we kind of set that up, had a class, had about 10 kids come out to the class and we thought that was it. Oh my gosh, we've made it. We've done the dance class and this, this is it. The dance company within the space of a year grew to over 50 students and we just couldn't comprehend what was happening. We were like, we didn't have this vision in mind. So that kind of formulated us steering the dance company into a community organization. Mm. We quickly found that people weren't just coming to us for dance. They were coming to us for empowerment, for life skills, for, for mentoring. They wanted this family unit. They didn't just want to dance. Mm. So we thought, hmm, this isn't just a dance company. This is a CIC. Like, so we ended up going through a process of rebranding kind of launching the company again in a sense and ever since that my mum's drive that I watched her have I've kind of taken that with a double dose so now she kind of says to me slow down and I'm like you birthed me this is what you put in me now it's like now I've overtaken her drive it's absolutely crazy <laughs> is it is the work that you've done is that within the community that you grew up with as well yeah, she's really interesting. So we're quite passionate about birthing something within the areas that we've grown up in. 
and we grew up in underprivileged areas. My mom was a single parent for many years. So we were really passionate about targeting those people who were currently experiencing what we'd experienced. Mm. And I think that's what makes our company really relatable. It, it allows the young people to stay with us for years. We've got some people who have been with us right from the very beginning when we opened our doors and still involved now in positions of leadership. So it's great to see this full circle moment taking place. Both of us are big advocates of the arts anyway and what arts yeah. can do for people. But mm. I think also that that sense of what's possible, you know, what's possible for... I come from a really very working-class background and yeah. there wasn't... I mean, there's hardly any arts. I talk about what this one art bus that came... Really? ..where we, like, painted gold... We sprayed... Um, <laughs> then you had to, like, glue pasta on a bit of paper and then you spray-painted wow. it. And that was, like... That was access to arts where I grew wow. up. And, um, <laughs> I mean, maybe there were other things, but I didn't know about them. And yeah. But I think there is something about seeing... Yeah, what is possible for people? And it's the same as entrepreneurship in terms of you go to school and you get you get kind of taken through this path that this is what will happen. You'll do your exams and then you'll go to uni and then you'll do this. And that no one ever says, actually, you could run your own business and here are the skills. This is it. And I felt like I really lacked that because I'd always been entrepreneurial from when I was young. But this kind of route of college, uni, work was so drummed into me from school and from family. I didn't realise that it actually wasn't the path for me. So even though I did it, I went to uni, had the worst three years of my life because I hated every moment of it. Ended up gaining a teaching degree, going into a full time position as a maths teacher and just hated it. I just couldn't wait to get out. And it was only last year Funnily enough, just before we knew we were going into a lockdown, mm. I actually handed in the, my notice at my job. And I thought I was making the worst decision when Boris announced we were now going into lockdown and I'd just given up this really comfortable salary. I was like, oh no, what have I done? I've got a mortgage to pay for, a car. I was stressing. But actually, it gave me my entrepreneurial wings that I'd always dreamt of having. And I don't think I'd ever look back now. I love this freedom of working mm. on companies and, yeah, <laughs> being yeah. creative. Yeah, and working in schools has been hard yeah. this, this last year. I'm really in, in, intrigued about the maths thing. I know it's not uh -huh. impossible for dancer to be um, into <laughs> mathematics at uh -huh. all, um, but uh, there wasn't ever any kind of drive for you to be a dance teacher in a school. Yeah, so what... That's really interesting. The maths drive actually comes from my dad. He's an accountant. So when I was in school, he would tutor me. And I, I always loved numbers. I loved maths, did really well at GCSE mm. and then ended up taking it to A-level. So I've always been passionate about numbers. And it only made sense to kind of fuse the passion of numbers and teaching together and get a degree that was also going to enhance my dance teaching as well. Little did I know that the passion for numbers was just for me. I didn't really want to share that with anybody and become this full-time teacher. But I would say that having that degree gave me such a cushion back on during the pandemic when the arts was shut. The arts closed down. There wasn't many dance teaching opportunities. wasn't many dancer opportunities as well. And then I was able to tap back into that degree and tutor online which allowed me to just 
be very, very stable during the pandemic. So as much as I didn't like that full-time role, I'm really grateful that I went through the process of gaining mm. that degree, particularly mm. during these times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny the path that we go on and then, you know, it can feel so misaligned sometimes, but actually there is some kind of gift. There can be a gift that comes out That's of that right. process. Okay. So I ask everyone this, what does do yeah. good and do well mean for you? Oh, so this is great because I've changed my view on what this actually looks like. So two years ago when I was immersed in work, I would say do good and do well means just giving community back to others, allowing them to experience great opportunities. The pandemic hit, I had this brainwave that I'd been given all of my time to other people and forgotten about myself. And actually, the effects of that were going to be worse because I wouldn't have anything to give if I wasn't pouring into myself. And now I've changed that idea and do good and do well starts with me first. It starts with me having really, really good mental and physical well-being and just being in a great place so that I can give from a good place as well. Mm. Yeah, that's so important. I love on your Instagram where you dance and you share your videos. And I guess dancing itself has so many benefits, doesn't it, in terms of physical health, but also Mm -hmm. mental health, but also just that the sharing of your dancing and it will be it might be like you in the hallway <laughs> or like oh my God, with you and your mum dancing together yes, that's right brilliant um and but that sort of that passing on of the like the only word I can think of is joy the joy yeah. of it uh, but it's also filling yourself up at the same time mm-hmm. totally agree Tell me about the dancing with your mum. This initiative is really new. Um, We kind of went into lockdown at the beginning of this year. We had loads of plans for the first quarter and had to like put them on hold. And one of my plans for March was to have a physical mother and daughter dance class for Mother's Day because we've got lots of mother and daughter duos within our company who are who have great relationships and I said to my mum wouldn't it be fabulous to do a mother and daughter dance class and she was kind of like what I won't be able to survive or keep up with you this is crazy anyway managed to talk her into it and we then ended up holding it on zoom so it was the first time we've ever done something like this rolled out the marketing had about 10 mother and daughter duos sign up and they absolutely loved it it was just a great way to get that intergenerational relationship building going on through the arts and it's something that we've we've always thought about but never done so because of the success of the mother and daughter one we're actually doing a father's day class for fathers and their sons and fathers and their daughters so it's just going to be brilliant we're really excited about this arm of the company (laughs) yeah yeah then I remember oh years ago now I was doing a project and we did a a workshop for parents and their children and it was a it was very simple you know simple movement but the physical connection the eye contact the touch the you know it it can be really powerful and actually it can be quite funny (laughs) we had so much fun parents struggling to keep up with their children (laughs) it was like we put the child 
in, like as the bus and they absolutely loved it they were like mom you're on the wrong leg get on the right foot it was great <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that if I ever suggested anything like that to my daughter she was no it's no <laughs> she hates if I sing if I Brilliant. dance yeah <laughs> so I do it more obviously just to know <laughs> But yeah, she's like, shut up, mum. Um, uh, <laughs> you talked earlier, and you've just um, mentioned it again about young people as leaders. Yeah, how are you developing with that within the organisation, and why why is that important to you? Yeah, so that's been a real driving factor of our company, I'd say, over the last three years, because we've watched dancers that started with us age ten. They're now 17, 18, and they're, become, they're adults now, and they, they want to step into positions of leadership. So what we actually did was we created something called an eloquent youth board within our company, and we chose three key leaders to make strategic decisions for the company, start their own initiatives, lead projects, and just have the freedom to to lead and lead passionately. And it's amazing because it means we can... We can put tasks on them that we were spending a lot of time doing and actually they do it lots better than us <laughs> because they're, they're younger, they've got this new passion, this new drive, they're a bit more modern, they know what's going on and most importantly, they know what other young people need mm-hmm. and having their voice to take the company forward but also to give them skills for life that can be transferred to any career is absolutely brilliant. Speaking on that, we've just become a part of the Kickstart scheme. Mm. So we've got the opportunity to take on five young people and give them a six-month work placement. I'm totally buzzing about that. It's a great opportunity for our organisation to to give back as well, give back and pour into the next generation. Mm. Yeah, I love that phrase pour in I don't think this is a new thing but there can be such negative press about young people I remember early on in my um community arts days trying to do projects where young people could have a voice to say Mm -hmm. or not have a voice because everyone has a voice it's just that there's lots of people not actually listening to it um and that was like that was 15 years ago where those stereotypes existed and yet still Mm -hmm. here we are and I think the more that we can really as you say pour back in give those young people opportunities to experience yeah what it is like to be a leader and the challenges that come with that because it's not easy yeah a lot of our young people who we've put into leadership were like oh we're really excited one month in oh no I hate it (laughs) so it's been really nice to like coach them on the leadership challenges and how to manage them to become better leaders and now they're they're thriving in their roles so it's it's quite funny at the same time <laughs> yeah because I you know it's easy to look at leaders isn't it if you're not there and you're looking and yeah and why are they making that decision why why are they doing that and then being in that position yeah. of you having to take that responsibility and yeah. you know either manage a team or make mm. sure that the values of the organization are being adhered to all That's of that right. kind of stuff that I'm really interested in how 
we can get more young people onto boards. Mm -hmm. You're a CIC, aren't you? We are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so we created a youth board that kind of sit alongside our board and then they they feed back to us. They make decisions about what the company should look like going forward. And it just empowers them to, like you said, have their voice heard. You know, when we ask them, what are your ideas? What do you think? We just have this influx of new ideas and actually when you hear some of them they're brilliant ideas that we would have never thought of so i we meet every two weeks and i love hearing their decisions and their their thoughts there's some things that we can tell then they're not really interested on but we've been strategic about the people we've picked for our youth board and they're very different characters so we know who to go to with with what things, if that makes sense. We know that for creative stuff, we go to you. For the more serious stuff, we're going to come to you. And we made them aware of what roles we want to see them flourishing in. So they're like, when we know they're going to switch off, that department isn't for you to be involved with. (laughs) Because we want to see you operating in your most effective self. Mm. Yeah. When do you operate your most effective self? A really good question. I... I'm arty, so in creating, being artistic and being the visionary, I'm really good at creating stuff, but I'm not good at running it. So that the operations, I try and outsource as much as I can, <laughs> just because I want to have that freedom to continue to birth great ideas and set them up and then have people take it off for me and, and run it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that's a really important point, especially when you're running your own business. Where are you most effective? Yes. And maybe doing the day-to-day admin isn't the best place for you to yeah. be working at that point and actually bringing someone in who can do that. So it frees you up to exactly. f- do the bits that bring you joy and where you feel you are operating most effectively, you're creative. Yeah. I call that being in flow. When I'm yeah. not in flow, I'm terrible at what I'm doing. So if it's admin, I'm really bad at communication. Lots of my team have noticed this. So we've outsourced our VA, who is incredible at communication, to just take control of that. Mm. Because people know what I'm like. I want to be creating the dances. I want to be getting the dancers out there doing really artistic stuff and building partnerships, not sending emails to parents and communicating with them about what costume to wear for this event. Mm. (laughs) That's just not where I'm in flow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, we've got to notice, we've got to pay attention to that stuff. We can find that we're in positions where we just want to control everything, you know, and I can't have, uh, I can't have a VA or a PA or, or whatever it is because I need to be in control of all of that. But actually, there's such freedom, isn't there, in in and being able to be honest about where where you are best. Very much so. And I'm seeing the transition and the effect, the positive effects of doing that already. I'm just like, why didn't I know about this four years ago? <laughs> but there's always stuff that we don't know. We don't know. And in you know, for another four years' time, you'll look back and yeah. you'll say, I can't believe I didn't know that. <laughs> can't believe I went on that weird podcast with that weird woman. Definitely not. <laughs> who, who do you, so, you know, these young people are looking up at you and seeing what's possible. Who do you look up to and yeah. see what's possible? 
Oh, my main inspirations. I've actually divvied this up into different sectors. So I've got inspirations for dance and choreography. And then I've got inspirations for entrepreneurship as well, just mm. to make sure that those lines are really clear. Um, I love to follow a lady called Charlemagne. I think she's brilliant. I've learned lots of her kind of lives and books so far. And then there's a dance choreographer called Jaquel Knight. He actually choreographs with Beyonce and Meg Stallion. He's literally one of my go-to inspirations for creating and creative directing, I'd say. Yeah. Who <laughs> uh, was the lady? Shaw. Shaw Wasmond. Yes, I think I've come across her recently, actually. I haven't. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it might have been Clubhouse. I don't know. I've, um, yeah. You're really... You're that's a, where I found her. <laughs> You're you you are really into Clubhouse, aren't you? You you're like on it. I, it. I yes, can see I your name it. popping up. Yeah, <laughs> and I always want to join, but I'm either doing dinner or there's yeah <laughs> something. I, no, Sarah, I've learned so much about business on Clubhouse than I did in my three two year college course all on business. Just like what where has clubhouse been it's been great to jump into rooms learn about systems then learn about delegation it's just been brilliant it's really challenged my thinking to think much bigger than where I am now mm, yeah I agree I think that I, I still haven't quite decided what I really think about it but I that it's yeah. sort of feel, <laughs> it feels like it has the potential to be a really good equalizer in terms oh, yeah. of uh, different experiences different backgrounds the diversity yeah. seems much better in that space yes. than on any of the other platforms um and yeah I think you're right just being able to hear people speak yes yeah. I mean there are some also very strange rooms very, <laughs> very much so I, that I just say. make sure I in my hallway <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and actually last night someone was doing a meditation late at night and I was listening to that and that was really yeah. lovely and just having it by your bed and listening yeah. to to that voice but knowing that there were a handful of other people in the also room. in the set there's something quite powerful about that connection yes I think so what do you what do you think will happen with clubhouse do you know I think it's going to get very quiet it's already starting to get very quiet because the sun's out, people are back to doing what they're doing. I think when lockdown in the UK is lifted, we will see a massive dip in numbers on Clubhouse because it kind of took off in January when we knew we were going back into another lockdown. So it was something new for us all to jump on and connect. Mm. But I think we're going to see a decline in numbers, which is going to be quite interesting, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and who really uses it as a platform for discussion? You talk about on your website, and I think I think as part of your book, around turning your passion into purpose. Yeah. So yeah. if you were going to share the technique, how how you do that, what would yeah. you say? Oh, this is really, really helpful and actually going to help me to prepare for my online course. <laughs> so it's great training, Sarah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, in terms of turning your passion into purpose, I 
I found that I was really passionate about dance, entrepreneurship, the arts, but I wasn't necessarily linking it with my purpose and trusting that that was going to allow me to flourish. I always defaulted into making sure, make sure you've got a backup plan, have that backup plan. And actually that wasn't turning my passion into purpose. It was turning my passion into a side hustle. And I think the two are very different. So one thing I always instruct people to do is find where you're most in flow. Mm -hmm. And that often comes from a great sense of joy and actually it not feeling like work. So often I'll be in the dance studio creating or talking to people about business and it would just feel like I'm in flow. I won't feel like I'm on a job or that I'm working for something. And from that moment, I knew, okay, this is my flow. And if I can turn this into my purpose and marry the work with it, then I'll just continue to love what I do. So for me, it's about finding where you're most in flow and doing more of it. Mm. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How, How would you describe your purpose? Like, what is that for you? Yeah. So purpose for me is doing exactly what you are put on the earth to do. I think when you find that, you become your most effective self. I think when you don't find it and when you kind of go throughout life just doing whatever, you lose your sense of identity and you lose what's unique to you and what you have to offer. What is it that you want to change? What are the people out there that you want to inspire? So when we can hone in on our talents, our gifts, our purpose, and link that with, oh, why was I actually put on the earth? Who exactly was I put on the earth to help? Because it's not going to be everybody, but there's Mm. a set community of people out there that I feel called to help. And I think when we find that, when we find our why, we just, we really flow well and make the most out of our life. I think you're right. In the last season, I interviewed Asma Shah, who runs an organisation called You Make It. And she t- she talks very strongly about really knowing your why and staying oh, okay. focused on that. And yeah. that that is what will drive you. Her organisation is about supporting young Black and Asian working class women. Yeah. Those are the people that she feels she is there to serve and to support and Mm -hmm. so everything everything she does yeah is about that and the organization is thriving and the support is incredible for those young women and it's because there is that it's it's kind of um it's a kind of narrow-mindedness but without the judgment of that it's like okay here's here's what I'm going to do and I and I think purpose can like it can change as you as you yeah. I, certainly my purpose feels different to what I would have said it was 20 years ago yeah but it's that tuning into and mm-hmm. always reflecting am I yeah, yeah am I still in the flow yeah 20 30 40 years down the line will you still feel in the flow when you're dancing in the yeah. studio Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that's a great point because I often 
kind of realign myself each year it's usually at the beginning of the year and kind of assess what does flow feel like now because just like what you said it, it will change as we grow and as we experience different experiences it will definitely change I'm getting married in August and oh, yeah <laughs> hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> you will you will reflect me <laughs> and I'm already thinking about in the next five years I potentially want to start building a family my flow might look different to that I might not want to be in the dance studio 10 hours a day yeah <laughs> so I'm starting to plan ahead and think okay I'm trying to adjust my lifestyle now so that it can suit when my flow will change and I think it's such a great point you made that it's continually changing and evolving mm, yeah but I also as part of that I also think that it's interesting that you bring up parenthood or you know any of us in caring positions whether that's our parents or or children that often the systems and the structures and policies that are in place don't yeah. enable the flow to happen mm. or you have to really compromise on so many women that I talk to absolutely love what they do and they love their children yeah. and it but, but the, the organizations that they're working for don't necessarily allow yeah. for those two things to happen happen and I'm not talking all organizations but certainly some and I you know I remember and I've talked about this before but I worked for an organization which was all about arts and kindness building kinder communities awesome. <clears throat> through arts and creativity and it was all about kindness mm -hmm. and it was an amazing amazing organization it was very family friendly we really looked out for each other we created space for each other but even yeah. still I had this drive that I wanted to change the world and I, I, I kind of poured all of my kindness into yeah. my work. And by the time I got home, That's I it. was like an empty bed. I had nothing left. <laughs> I was not kind, you know, yeah. really like, don't talk to me, I'm done. I can and, relate. <laughs> yeah, and so how do we find that balance of being really able to nourish ourselves because work yeah. can bring that nourishment mm -hmm. but also still be enough still feel fulfilled enough yeah. that we've got enough to give other people and to ourselves as well yeah. I love that and it's something that I'm trying to find the balance of this that balance that you spoke about having enough for home particularly I moved in me and my fiance bought a house in 2019 and it became more apparent then that I was so immersed in work I'd come home and I'd be flat out I'd have yeah. nothing left to give and actually it took me to move in with my fiance to see that this is really unhealthy this is not how I want to live the trajectory of the rest of my life so now I'm very careful about when I am at work and when I am giving, knowing when to stop, because mm. I used to get into this habit of if someone needed a talk after a dance class, the mentoring session, I would go right up until they were they were satisfied that, you know, mine's helped me enough. And now I'm like, I'm out of there by nine o'clock because I need to be home to eat dinner with my fiance. If you want mentoring, it's going to have to be tomorrow. I'm sorry, but I'm not available today. And it's learning to say no <laughs> and not give an explanation for why you can't do it. It's no is no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And have you seen any de detrimental effects in terms of those oh. young people or anyone else? No. 
No, and you know what's crazy? When I was seeing detrimental effects, I used to blame myself that like, I should have been there. But yeah. now, like, but, but it, it's just tough luck, isn't it? I, if I'm not there at that moment, I will be there another time yeah. when I'm available, and, and that's okay. I'm learning to find that that's what it should have been in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I'd been much firmer with boundaries yes. like, years ago, and and actually, it got to the point um, where I where I recognised that. It, it just didn't feel despite it being an amazing organization it was really exciting on paper it looked incredible and people were quite surprised when I left but I needed to take that step back I needed to recalibrate and think I'd also just turned 40 and I think there's something about the kind yeah. of when you hit the any age with a zero on the age you go <laughs> right I need to just check in with myself yes, and um, yeah and just have it you know and I was very fortunate that I had that space to do that and I know not everyone can but I think the sort of coaching yourself and being really reflective and uh, and for, for you to be able to go okay what boundaries do I need to put in place exactly. so that I'm available to everybody but also to myself as well yeah. really really important and I had to make a really difficult decision about a month ago um, when I went into lockdown and left my job, I started an online tutoring company and it quickly took off. Um, I had literally about 25 students that I was teaching one-to-one and loving it. But at the start of the year, I said to myself, I can't continue to do this because it's taken up so much of my time. And I battled with the idea of, do I get other teachers on board to run it for me? Then I still have to be the visionary. Do I just close it? What do I do? And I actually arrived at the decision that I was going to close it and sell it to somebody else and let them take all of the clients. And it was a really difficult decision to make because I'd built great relationships Mm -hmm. with all these young people. But I knew that if I continued with it, I would have burnt out very quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it wouldn't have been worth it. So I had to upset a lot of parents. But at the end of the day, you have to put yourself first. Mm yeah and is that also linked to you the the stuff around your purpose as well and you know thinking about why I'm here on this earth on this planet maybe as much as you love tutoring yeah maybe that's not what you're here exactly I found that I loved it you know what was really interesting I found that what you're necessarily good at isn't necessarily going to be tied to your purpose So even though I was really good at teaching and lots of them were getting great results, I had people pass their 11 plus test. I was good at it, but I wasn't in flow. Mm. And once I found that, it was like this light bulb moment went off in my head and I was like, oh, tough decisions need to be made. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But in a way, I suppose it becomes, I think about it in terms of how do we develop a series of questions that we need to ask ourselves so it becomes a framework for making decisions does it include this 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 and this okay if it does then absolutely it's a yes you know I'm available for that that feels really important yeah but if there are bits that are off or or don't fit that at all you can say no and in a way it's sort of easier when you know your vision and you know where you're heading that's it know what to say yes and what to say no to I totally agree and actually I'm only learning to do this more effectively since 2021 (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but it does. It's practice. I think saying yeah. no is especially when you're a change maker, especially when yeah. you want to please people and you want to really help them. It feels yeah. it feels really in fact I was talking to my therapist about this the other day because yeah. I was like, yeah. my identity feels so wrapped up in this sense of helping others. And so I find That's it true. really hard know, to say yeah. no. It, and I am I'm okay at that now but not always so there's still there's still room for improvement it is about practice and it's about having knowing the words to say I find having a set sentence <laughs> I can say thank you so much unfortunately <laughs> I'm gonna have to say no on this occasion but I can put you in touch with someone else who could help you oh, you know yeah having those kind of sentences just help you practice Mm. and the more you say it out loud the the easier it becomes that's my theory anyway you might have to send me that sentence Sarah so I can start to actively (laughs) use it in my life yeah we'll listen back to the podcast (laughs) definitely yeah no I, I have some ideas around that that is what I hear the most is I want to be able to say no but I don't know how to say it in a way that feels kind and compassionate yeah. and actually in a way yeah in a way that feels good to me mm. I like that. <laughs> thank you so much tell everyone how they can find out about you and you've got a book as well haven't you which we haven't I mentioned have, yeah. I wrote a book in 20 I released it in January 2020 which is probably the worst time <laughs> when it, the pandemic was coming but I'm glad it's out there it's called Dear Future Self and it's a practical guidebook for young girls and young women to finding their purpose and being practical about what their future looks like um, and doing that with integrity, which I'm really passionate about also. Mm. So that's available on Amazon, Dear Future Self by Romana Markham. Brilliant. You're on Instagram? I am, yeah. My handle is at Romana ZM. I'm also on Clubhouse at the same handle and Facebook and Twitter as well. Yeah, you're like me. Ev- sort of a bit everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you mentioned about a new online course and kind of this rebranding. And I'm yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, but there, I think we had a conversation about you want to support other people who are building or creating CICs that kind of thing do you want to say a bit more about that definitely so I'm going to be rebranding my personal brand at the end of April and launching some new products and services online courses ebooks to help people turn their passion into purpose and action it whether that's turning it into a business creating a little membership community just doing something with your purpose I know lots of people who have great ideas, but don't know how to put them into action. So that's what I'm going to be helping people do, hopefully from the end of April and beyond. <laughs> oh, you're so amazing. On Just like you. everything you're doing and you speak with real integrity and it's so clear that you are in your flow (laughs) (laughs) and yes so thank you so much for coming on to the podcast um thank you for having me and take care thank you so much I can't wait to share this with my audiences as well it's really nice to answer questions that have been in my head but now actually answering them I'm like oh yeah this was great (laughs) need to take it further so thank you so much Sarah oh you're welcome (laughs) take care thank you bye 
I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. And if you have any thoughts, if anything resonates with you, then please do get in touch. Tell me who you want to hear on this podcast. Tell me about issues you want to hear about. I am really open to listening. Come and join us in the Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, come and join the Do Good and Do Well community or sign up to my newsletter. I send a weekly-ish email out to you to remind you that you matter too. And there's some other bits and bobs in there and some thinking journaly type prompts. It's where you can first hear about the special offers I have and that kind of stuff. But more than anything, take very good care.